0: Uh, good morning, my name is Ricky, one of the pastors here. So good to be with you guys today and be kicking off uh, the book of Acts. Um, so yeah, if you've got a Bible, I encourage you to turn there. Happy Father's Day again to everybody, um, you know, out there. Yeah, or joining us online. That's a father. Thank you so much for all that you do. Um, so yeah, uh, just kind of think with me, if you will. You know, three decades, crucial decades in world history. That's all it took. 30 years for a new movement to be born. In 30 years, it got sufficient growth and credibility to become the largest impacting thing the world has ever seen. It changed the lives of hundreds of millions of people. It has spread to every corner of the globe. It has had an enduring impact on civilization, on culture, on education, on medicine, on freedom, and the lives of countless people. And the seedbed... For all of this, the time it took to take root was just 30 years. How did it begin? I mean, did it begin how you would expect it to begin? With some big giant war, with some, some sort of exor- you know, exercise of military might? Was it a new invention, a new technology that was found that would revolutionize everything? No. No. That's not how it started at all. It all began with a dozen men, a handful of women, and then the Spirit came. I mean, that's what... The book of Acts is that this, this movement, this gospel movement of Christianity, of people actually coming to know God, being saved from their sin because of what Jesus Christ died and rose again, those 30 years that we see in the book of Acts from 33 AD to 64, that's what we're reading about. And that's how it all began with these dozen men, a handful of women, and then the Spirit of God came. But is that it? Is it done? That's what we're going to be looking at today. So again, open up your Bible to Acts. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. It's about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. If you get to Romans, you've gone too far. So verse 1, you know, it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so, uh, just some background there where he says, you know, I have, uh, I wrote to you this other book. The person that's talking there, I, is a person named Luke. And Luke was, uh, he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. That's the first book that he's referring to. He was a, a physician, a doctor, and... Um, most likely a Gentile, and then he also went on several missionary journeys with the Apostle Paul. So he's the one that's writing this book, and then where he's writing, it says in the first book, "O Theophilus." So that's who he's writing to, this guy named Theophilus. We don't actually know a lot about him. Uh, he seems he could have been a, a Roman official. In Luke, he says he calls him most excellent Theophilus. Um, but he, he could have commissioned Luke to actually go find out and investigate all of these things. Uh, and could have even actually paid him to do that. We're not 100% sure he could have been a skeptic. But uh, you know that, that his name, Theophilus, means friend of God, lover of God. Uh, but either way, Theophilus seems to be somebody that's at least interested. Hey, what's going on? I'm hearing about all this Jesus stuff. What's, what's going on? And, and Luke, he, he really wants Theophilus to really know, man, this is who Jesus is. This is what's been going on. And so he wants him to know the truth and give an accurate account of it all. And so that's who it all. So then he just says, hey, in, in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. The apostles, you know, those were the the 12 disciples, but now uh, they're apostles, you know, minus Judas. He he killed himself. So, um, verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And so, you know, first off, you know where he says, "Hey, I, I I talked to you, Theophilus, about all of that Jesus began to do and teach." So, what did Jesus do? What did he teach? And so, Jesus he taught of the kingdom of God. He taught about who God is. He preached the gospel. Jesus performed miracles. He healed people. He calmed storms. Uh, he fed 5,000, and Jesus, most nobly, he, he lived a perfect life, he died, he was crucified, paid the price for sin, and then he rose again. And, you know, I, uh, Luke here is kind of assuming, hey, Theophilus, because you read my first book, Luke, I think you kind of all know that. And I think, you know, we, we can maybe approach it thinking that maybe all of us know that too. But I just want to ask you, and maybe you do know that, maybe you've grown up in church, maybe you know a lot of those things, but... But I'm not asking you, hey, do you just kind of know what Jesus did and what he taught? I'm asking you, do you know Jesus? I mean, do you actually know Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ that he has paid the price for your sin? And that you could be made right with God. You can have this relationship with God, not because you do anything of your own, not because you earn it, not because you go to church or anything like that, but, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior for what, because of what he's done for you? This is how any of us, all of us, can know God and have this relationship with him. And so if, if you don't know Christ, if you haven't trusted in him, man, t- this, I just encourage you, hey, turn to Jesus. Turn to him and what he's done for you, that he's paid the price for your sin on the cross and that he rose again, and that you can have new life and forgiveness through Jesus. And so Luke, he's he's writing to Theophilus, you know, kind of with this assumption, hey, you you know that. You know of what Jesus has done and what he began to do. And so here I want you to notice something in verse one where he says, I have dealt with you all, dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. I want you to underline, circle that word began. Hey, Jesus began to do something, but here's the implication: Jesus ain't done. He began to do and teach, but Jesus is going to continue to do and teach. I'm writing, I wrote to you about what he began, and now I'm writing to you about what he's going to continue to do and teach now in this world. He's going to continue to do it through his church. Um, I think that, you know, it's not that Jesus worked and did some stuff in the Gospels, and now the church takes over. Hey, Jesus taught. And now he's done teaching and now the church will teach. That's not it at all. It's that Jesus did things, loved people, taught the gospel in his physical earthly body. And then now Jesus is doing those things through his church body, through us. Jesus is continuing to work, continuing to do all of those things. I mean, that's really what the book of Acts is about. What Jesus is continuing to do. I mean, I mean, this, this is really huge because I think, you know, some p- people might even say, one, hey, the Acts, you know, book of Acts, that's like the Acts of the Apostles. Well, verse 1 kind of squashes that, hey, it's actually not about the Apostles at all. It's about what God is doing through the Apostles by the power of His Spirit. God is doing these things. Jesus is working through this. And, and I, when we read our Bible and, and we think about these things, I think it's really easy for us to think, oh, Jesus Man, he did some amazing things when he was on the earth. And we read about that in, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And and he did some incredible things. But, you know, then he died, he rose again, and he ascended, and he's kind of done. You know, and and that's kind of, that kind of closes the book uh, of Jesus. And and I think that that would have been really easy for the disciples to think. I mean, don't you? I mean, like... I mean, you're there with Jesus watching him calm a storm. That's pretty cool. And then, you know, the, and then here later on in Acts, they see Jesus, you know, he's taken up to heaven, he ascends, and you could kind of think, like, hey, that's it. That was a really cool chapter in our lives where God did amazing things through God, you know, God the Son Jesus. Man. But here in Acts, it's like, hey, but it's not over. Jesus isn't done yet. He's going to continue to do some amazing things. Or I even think for us today, we can, we can kind of think in a similar way. We could think, oh yeah, Jesus did some amazing things when he was on earth. Oh, and God did some amazing things in Acts. But now it's not the same anymore either. Now I think, you know, hey, God did some amazing miracles then and really brought people to Christ then and I don't know. Hopefully he could kind of, I don't know if it's like that today. Right, But the, actually, it's, that's not true. Just, just like Jesus you know, began to do a good work here and then he continues it through the book of Acts, Jesus is still continuing his work now today in and through you and through the church. He's not done. He's continuing to work through us by, uh, by the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus is still you know, rescuing people from sin. He's still transforming lives. He's still healing the broken. He's still showing people of his amazing love for him. And he's still doing that by his power, through his people, through you. And my question as we just kind of start to get in the book of Acts is, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Man, God, the God that I read about in his word that did these amazing things, God, yeah, he's still just as active today. God is still doing just as amazing things today, saving people, healing broken lives. I mean, do you believe that, that he wants to do that through you? That when you go to your neighborhoods, when you go to your workplace, that God is, hey, I'm not done yet. I'm working through you. Not because you're so amazing. Not because you're awesome. Again, it's not just that Jesus is like, hey, I did some really cool stuff um, and now it's just up to you. No, it's not that at all. He, Jesus is continuing to do that through you. And so he, he's, that's what we see in Acts that he's working not, not just then but through us today. But why, why is he not done yet? Why is Jesus continuing to work? Look at verse three. He presented himself, he is Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering, you know, by the, by the, uh, his suffering is the cross. So he's presented to them alive by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. The reason that Jesus is still working today is because Jesus is still alive. He's alive. I mean, the tomb is empty. This is the power of the resurrection, these verse 3 verses we're just seeing about that Jesus is alive. I mean but th- I mean think about this you know if if for the for the disciples the apostles I mean just a month ago 40 days previous to to this moment here that we we see in acts they're they're scared. They're scattered. Peter you know the the disciple the apostle Peter who Jesus says, man, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and, you know, all these things. He's really talking about the gospel. But like, you know, Peter, Peter denies Jesus three times because he's scared of some little teenage servant girl asking him if he knows Jesus. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, that's like a teeny bopper girl asking a grown man, hey, do you know Jesus? And he's scared of her. He's scared of everything. Because why? Because Jesus is being crucified. Jesus is on trial. All of the disciples are like scared scared and they're scattered. And when Jesus, you know, hey, he's, he's, he's dead, he's buried, he's put in a tomb. They're like, well, what do we do now? Well, I guess it's over. Let's just go fish. But then something changed that took these guys that were really scared, denying Jesus to bold proclaimers of the word of God, is because Jesus rose from the dead. And then he gave them his spirit. Changed everything. The power of the resurrection. And Jesus proved that he was alive. In Luke 24, Jesus walked on the road to Emmaus. Then he ate with them. John 20, Thomas, he's doubting. Hey, do I really believe that this is Jesus, that you were crucified? Do I really believe that you're here? Hey, I'm not a ghost. Hey, this isn't some like apparition. This isn't a figment of your imagination. Hey, put your hand in my side where they pierced me. See the the scars on my my hands and my feet. Jesus taught them. He ate with them. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that Jesus appeared, risen from the dead, alive to over 500 people. And so this just reminds us that Christianity is not built on some people's imagination or speculation. That this is real facts thing. Jesus really did die and raise again. And he appeared to hundreds of people. He taught them. I mean, think of other religions. You don't need a historical Buddha to have Buddhism. If Buddha never existed, or, or was a real person, or it doesn't matter that Buddha is dead, you can still have Buddhism. With Islam, you could still have Islam if Muhammad wasn't a real person. You can have, you still, you, there still is Islam, even though Muhammad's dead. You know why? Because all it is, is a teaching. All it is, is a teaching that says, here's what you need to do, now do it good enough, and then if you do it good enough, you could get in good with God. That's all it is. If you can kind of clean yourself up, then it'll be fine. You can do it. But the truth is, is that you can never be good enough. That you can't do it. In Christianity, Jesus says, hey, actually I know that about you. I know that you can't be good enough and I don't expect you to be good enough. I have been good enough for you. I lived perfectly for you and because I died for, for sins and rose again, you know that you can be fully forgiven because of that. You know that I fully paid the price for your sin because I rose again from the dead. We could have a full, you know, assurance of salvation because of Jesus. And so we see that he, that our salvation really has been brought. And so, um, you know, again in verse 3 where he says he presented himself alive and that he taught them for 40 days. You know, that number 40, that, that's a, a number that we see many times in the Bible. Uh, the the you know there's Noah's 40 days in the ark. The people uh, when they leave Egypt after the Exodus, they spend 40 years wandering around in the wilderness before they go into the promised land. Jesus um, you know was tempted for 40 days before he started his public ministry. And so Luke here is is also saying, hey, there's this new beginning. There's something new that is about to be happening. You're, you're going to be kind of like entering into the promised land and like, just like Moses when he went up to the mountain for 40 days and was with God and God spoke to him as a friend face to face. You know, it says that. And he did that for 40 days. God was speaking with Moses to prepare him to, go, to be sent out for Israel's mission. And the same thing is happening here. Jesus is speaking to his apostles for 40 days to send them out for the church's mission into the world and so his, he's teaching them about the kingdom that God's sovereign and good rule is being realized in, in the world but also in the hearts of his people being shown through them and so we see you know, the, the power of the resurrection that is that Jesus continuing to do his work and to bring his kingdom here but how is that going to happen? how are we going to see Jesus' work be continued? look at verse 4 and while staying with them, you know, again, Jesus ordered them to not depart from Jerusalem. Hey, you're here. Don't leave. Just stay right here. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John, he baptized with water. You know, hey, people, people got wet. People got drenched with water for the repentance of sin. But you will be baptized you will be you know filled with you know you'll be drenched with the holy spirit not many days from now and so here we see hey jesus is going to continue like he started this work and now he's continuing to do it because of the power of the resurrection how is he going to do that through the power of his spirit through the power of the holy spirit so notice in verse four jesus told them to wait why wait I mean, really think about it. These disciples, I mean, don't they have everything that they need? They had been with Jesus for three years. They knew the right person. They'd been around the right people. They'd been at all the right events. I mean, they had seen this stuff happen. Hey, Jesus cast out a demon. Jesus fed 5,000. They'd been in all the right places at all the right times. Jesus had taught them for three years. They, they, they knew the right things. So isn't that enough? No. Jesus told them to wait because, hey, you might, you might have had all these experiences, and know the right thing, but hey, this isn't going to happen because you know enough stuff or because of you have enough power. This is going to happen because of my power working in and through you. You need the Holy Spirit. You don't have enough of what it takes. Yes, I mean, like even Jesus, when he says in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go and make disciples. What we forget there is how does that that commission start? Jesus says, all power and authority has been given to me. It starts off under the authority of Christ, and then he ends that and says, hey, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. Even the Great Commission starts and ends with Jesus. And even here in Acts, it's like, hey, this is not going to happen. Not just go. Go make disciples. Go be my witnesses. Go make it happen, people. Good luck. It's no, because this is going to happen because my authority, me, who I am, is, it's all under me, and I'm going to give you my spirit. The power is not found in you. The power is found in me, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I mean, th- this is awesome. I mean, think about it. I mean, I, if somebody told me, hey, Ricky, we want you, you know, the, the, the NBA is going to kind of get going here at the end of July, and the playoffs will start soon. Hey, uh, we want you to suit up, get on one of those teams in the playoffs, and we want you to go out there and score like 25 points in a game. Now, I would do it because I'd get on TV, but... I'm not really confident that that's going to happen. I would be thrilled if I made a free throw or just didn't turn it over a lot. I mean, like, I, would, I'm, I, I didn't play high school. I played eighth grade B team. That was the extent of it. I, in college, I helped drag our team from, a, you know, intramurals A league down to B league. I literally heard someone, like another person, say, hey, you guys should be in A league. And then my friends pointed at me, and the guy was like, yeah. Like, I, I'm not gonna feel confident about that. I don't think that I would be able to, to score a bucket, let alone 25 points. But what if this, the person said, okay, wait a minute, but we're gonna get Michael Jordan and he's gonna coach you. He'll tell you all these things about the offenses and the defenses and you'll know all the terminolo- terminology and, and he'll like teach you how to shoot and everything. What about that? I'd be like, eh, but it's still me. It's still a guy out there that can't run really fast. I have a dad bod really going on. I'm 39, like I can't jump. Eh, I don't, I'm still not very confident. Sure, great, he's a coach. but eh. Okay, but if he said, okay, wait, 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 wait. Actually, we just want you to wait there. Wait here before the playoffs and the power of Michael Jordan will come upon you. The power and everything of Michael Jordan will come upon you and you'll just be filled with all of the skill, physical ability, knowledge, everything of Michael Jordan. What about that? I'd be like, hmm, that's not bad. That's pretty good. Why? It's not because I'm an awesome player. I'm thinking this can happen because actually a power that's not of my own has been given to me from somebody that's really awesome much more true of that is like, hey, for us in our lives, like, hey, it's actually not because you're awesome. It's because this power and presence of you, of God in the person of the Holy Spirit, has been given to you and fills you. Now go be my witnesses. Now go love this world. Now go declare the word of God. Man, all power and authority has been given to me is what Jesus says. That's awesome. And Jesus tells them, wait for the Spirit then go. But I think many times for us, we approach it having the Spirit of God, but then wait. Why do we wait? Why do we wait to go make disciples go, to proclaim God's Word, go to be His witnesses? I mean, think of what Jesus didn't tell them to do. He didn't say, "Hey, hey, you know what? Just wait here, and then once you learn enough theology, then go. Hey, why don't you wait here and, and then you'll really learn how to share the gospel really, really good. Then go be my witnesses. Doesn't tell him that. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? There's kind of like some sin in your life. And if you go out there, you'll just look like this big hypocrite. So don't do that. Why don't you wait here? Kind of clean yourself up. Kind of get rid of some of that sin that you're struggling with in your life. Once you get that better, then go. It's not what he says. Says, wait for my spirit. Wait for my power, my presence to come upon you. Because it's not about how awesome you are, or how together you have it, or or man, hey, just because now if you know enough of your Bible and if you're trained and, and take enough classes and all those things, yeah, those things can be good, but but that's not what he's telling them to wait on. He's saying, hey, I will be with you. It's not about how awesome you are, it's about me in you, working through you. And many times, you know, we we think, we think so so many times, I think, man, it would be so awesome to be like one of the disciples and we could have been with Jesus when he performed all these miracles and and we could have walked right alongside of Jesus. And, And don't get me wrong, that would have been cool. But it's far better to have Jesus inside of you than Jesus beside you. Because just like if Michael Jordan is like coaching me on how to do some stuff and, and could be this great example for me, he still can't give me the actual power to do it. But Jesus said, but I will. I will give you my spirit, my power, everything that you need so that you could do it because my, my, I will be inside of you. I love it how one commentary said, it says, you know, this just is this reminder That God does not build his church through gimmicks or programmatic cleverness. It is not dependent on our marketing strategies. Our only hope to see lives changed by the gospel is to faithfully proclaim God's word and then trust God's spirit. Man, it's not based off of just like how well do we do this, how well do we do that. We're just sharing who Christ is and depending on God's Spirit. I think many times we can come here and we could read into Acts and we could think, man, I, man, I'd be so cool if I was like one of them, I, but I just don't have what it takes. And, and in one sense, that's true. You don't have what it takes. But in another sense, that's really not true at all because you have everything you need, because if you've trusted in Christ, you've been given his spirit. You have everything that you need. Because God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is empowering you. And so, I mean, here in Acts, I mean it's just, you know, we saw the power of the resurrection, the power of the Spirit, and just to kind of for us to just kind of think through it a little bit, how did this movement start? How did this movement keep going? I mean, it's really just those things, like this radical, two th- you know, two things. This radical belief in Jesus crucified and raised from the dead. This radical belief that Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. Jesus, is, 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 who is God, he's the Son of God, was crucified for sin, paid the price for, for our sin completely, and that message captured their hearts. Man, salvation. I mean, they even say, uh, Peter and John in Acts 4.12, they say salvation is found in no one else. There's no other way to be made right with God. There's no other way to be saved from your sin, forgiven your sin, have this new life in you. Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to us by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. It captured their hearts. And then the Sanhedrin, they're hearing this. And the Sanhedrin, they're like these, um, you know, religious leaders. They don't like what's going on. They're hearing this message. They don't like it. And then later on in in Acts 4, they bring them to, to, you know, it says this in verse 18. They called them in once again. Peter and John, hey, why don't you come here? And they commanded them, do not speak of anything in the name of Jesus. Be quiet. Stop talking about him. And then Peter says, well, which is right to do? What, what's, what's right for us to do? Should we do what you're telling us to do or should we do what God told us to do and empowered us to do? And then they said, for, they said this, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. It captured them, this belief that being made right with God only happened through Jesus Christ that had captured them, they couldn't help but speak of it. And so the question is, is has that captured your heart? Has the, the, the belief, the truth that Jesus died, paid the price for sin, and rose again, has that captured your heart? I mean, if, if, if not... I just encourage you to dive deeper into the gospel. This is not some, the gospel is not just what, what saves us and gets us into this relationship with God, but it shapes us and continues, <clears throat> excuse me, our relationship with God. And we, we say, hey, the, the, the gospel is not just the diving board that we jump and get into the pool with, the, the gospel is the pool itself that we dive deeper into. So dive deeper into the the gospel. Also, if you're like, man, I don't know if really the gospel, like that belief is really like gripping me and capturing my heart, ask God to help you. Just pray to God. God, would you just please help this truth, this message, this this good news to really capture my heart that I might be more overcome by the beauty of the gospel. So the first thing is just this this radical belief in Jesus crucified and rose from the dead. second thing is... um, that led to the movement that we see in Act was the radical power of the Spirit working through his people who submitted to him. This radical power of the Spirit working through his people as, as people submitted to him. They submitted to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So the question is, is have you? Are you? Are you submitting to the power and the leadership of the Holy Spirit? I mean, even to do that, We need God's help, right? And so if if you're like, man, I really struggle with that, to, to submit to God what he has revealed to us in his word and his spirit guiding me, leading me. So just ask him, God, would you just help me? God, would you help me completely more and more surrender to your leading, to the spirit guiding me? And also don't be scared of that. Because I'm guessing some of you are like, maybe you're excited. You're like, yeah, you know, hey, I'm going to ask God for help because I struggle with that and God's going to, you know, I'm going to, God's going to grow me and he's going to work in my life and I'm going to submit more and more to God. And then some of you are like, that sounds like a great idea, Ricky, to ask God to help me to submit to him. But if I do that, God's going to make me do something I don't want to do. Right? I mean, I think sometimes we have this hesitancy man, I would submit to God and I would tell God that I'm fully submitted to Him and help me to do that and He would give me the strength and power but the moment that I do that, God's going to just get me and He's going to make me do, like He's, he's going to send me to some other country that I hate. I don't know what country that is but I hate it and God's going to send me over there with all these people that I don't really like and they don't think like me and they don't have air conditioning and oh, their food's going to be weird. God, man, I mean like, for, I mean, one, that, that if you're thinking that, one, I get it. Like, I've thought that. But also, that's showing you a couple things. One, that shows you that you have an incorrect belief of God. I mean, think about it. God, God, without any prompting from you whatsoever, other than that you're sinful and dead in your sin, God said, I'm going to send my son to die for you. Do you think God, who's like that, that just is like, man, I love you, and, and and hey, you you can't save yourself, but I love you so much that I'm going to send my son to pay the price for you, is just waiting to get you later. Right? That's not God. But it but it also shows you that you might actually have an incorrect belief of this world. Because you you're many times we think that doing life our way is somehow better and more enjoyable than actually submitting to God. Man, what I'm doing in my life, that would be, man, if God took that away and gave me just his mission to do, that's somehow just ruining my life. Now, I don't think God is just out there just waiting to get you. And and to like make you do all these things that you don't really want to do. But at the same time, I would say this. God will ask you to do things that you don't want to do. God will command you to do things that you don't want to do. There are things clearly laid out in his scripture that I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if I really feel like doing that. But here is the truth. Whatever God tells you to do is far better than whatever you could come up with. I mean, I love Psalm 16. In your presence is the fullness of joy. Not in my life being the way that I want it is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God, whatever you have for me, it might not be easy. I might not like parts of it, but you're God. And that I know is, is more, you, you have more joy in your ways, in your life than I could ever imagine than whatever I could come up with. So pray, ask God to, to help you to submit and to follow the leadership of, leadership of the Holy Spirit. And when we started this, you know, we were thinking as an advisory team, you know, hey, what should we do, um, you know, a- after we did core team phase and then COVID hit and then we're like, hey, what should we do after COVID um, or once it gets kind of better. And we, we, we landed on the book of Acts. And, um, you know, it's just because, man, you get to see God doing amazing things and, and, and this mission of God working out in the world through his people by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're like, hey, man, this would be such this great time for our church to, to come together and to see, see what God wants for us and, and being sent out by the power of his Holy Spirit into his mission. Um, and then you know there's more things that we wanted to see happen through that. But you know, here's one thing that, that we don't want to see happen. I think we could we can read Acts and we could go through Acts and we could think this kind of coming away like, man, these people are awesome, God's doing all these things and and man if I if I could just kind of shape up and try really hard and I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna do all these things and I'm gonna I'm gonna try hard enough, I'm gonna share enough, and I'm gonna, yeah, make it happen. Uh, That's not what we want. You know, Acts is this response to the person of Jesus Christ that he died, that he rose again and then he gave them the spirit of God and they received him and that power and his presence. And Acts is a response to that. that. Acts is not a response like, let's be good enough. That's not the response. Acts is, Jesus has been good enough for us. He makes us right. And man, he loves us so amazing. Don't we want the world to know that? It's that response. Not this like try to earn it or prove it to God thing. You know, and our prayer and our hope is that, yeah, that through this, that that yeah, we don't feel like legalistic or, or like, hey, we have to prove ourselves to God, but we do want God to do something in us, to shape us, to shape our hearts. That we would believe differently. That we would live differently. I mean it even just kind of reflects our values of our church. You know down, up, in and out. Down is the gospel. That Jesus came down. He saved us. We're we're made right with Christ. Up is a response that we want to know Christ more. That we want to grow to be more like him. In is this family that we're connected in these relationships with one another. And then we're sent out on mission into this world. That's what we really see in the book of Acts. Jesus came down. Then their lives were changed and then they formed this incredible community that where they're, they're, they're loving one another, they're sure, serving one another, they're sharing all these things in common with, with one another and giving to whoever has need. But then you see this bold declaration of the word of God and reaching out to this world and I just want the same for us. You know that, that I mean we talk about this, this idea of family, this biblical generated belief of family because Jesus did not come pay the price for sin, die and raise again to make an event. He didn't come and die to make an audience that that only comes together on Sundays. But he came and he died to make a family, a body says hey I want you to be this family to belong to this family that has these real relationships with each other that man let's go through the hard times let's go through, through through the good times and let's share the just junk in our lives because we're all wrestling with something let's be this family to belong to let's be a family to grow with that hey we want to know Jesus Christ more we want to know more of his love for us these intentional relationships that we have for one another so that we're growing in knowing Christ. So it's family to belong to, a family to grow with. And hey, I want you to be a family to go with. Hey, because I didn't call you to just sit in pews. I didn't just call you to, to only look inward about these relationships, but I've called you to also look outward to this world that doesn't know me. That's lost, That's broken. I think sometimes we could think that Lincoln is is kind of reached and and that, hey, it seems pretty good. And and you know, I mean you you see different churches, you know, as you drive around town and you maybe you drive down eighty fourth street and there's a bunch of good churches and you see those and man they man, look at that church. That church is gigantic, their building's enormous. And you, you could think, hey, Lincoln seems to be doing okay. I mean, one, I think really one of the biggest mission fields is, is people sitting in the pews. There's a lot of people that go to church week after week that don't know Christ. And I'm not saying because they don't obey good enough, I'm saying because they don't know Jesus. And they think that by obeying Jesus good enough, that's how they're made right with God. That's not the gospel. There's many people that think, hey, well, yeah, you know God? Well, yeah, you know, I grew up grew up Lutheran, Catholic, whatever, you know, fill in the blank church name. Or I was baptized here, I prayed a prayer here. But, I mean, so there's so many people, even in churches that really don't know Christ, and there's so many people that aren't even in churches. I mean, if you just took, hey, what are the churches that are, that are good churches that are preaching Christ and you're even like pretty generous with, with that and like, sure, let's just put that church in there, you know? They're kind of preaching the Christ, I don't really know. But you just kind of count it. Do you know, that wouldn't even, that'd barely be a fourth of Lincoln. So that means that three-fourths of Lincoln isn't plugged into a church. Doesn't, you know, I mean, at least there's nothing that you know of that they know Christ so God, God isn't done yet, guys, not just because of, but of, not just because he did some stuff in Acts, but God isn't done for, with, through us of what he wants to do. And I know some of these things might sound intimidating or like, man, can that really happen? Here's the cool truth. The same spirit that worked in Acts is the same spirit that lives in you if you've trusted in Jesus. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit, power, presence of God that lives in you, that is working through you and is at work in this world. He's not done yet, guys. He's still working and continuing to do an amazing thing because Jesus is alive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you. Um, Lord, that, that you are still at work, Lord, that you are still at work in us and through us, and and God, I I just pray today, God, that that we would not feel intimidated or just feeling shame or that we're just not good enough, God. Lord, I mean, when you say, hey, wait for my spirit, Lord, you're you're saying we we don't have what it takes. We need you. And Lord, thank you that you give us everything that we need. You give us yourself. You give us your spirit. And Lord, I pray that just as we, through today and as we go through your word, um, Lord, may you just do an amazing work. In our hearts, Lord, that we'd be captured more and more by the amazing truth and belief that Jesus has paid the price for sin, that he was crucified, and that he did raise from the dead. And Lord, may we be more just submissive to your leading of your spirit in our lives, Lord. And so thank you, Lord, that you ask us, you call us to join with you in what you're doing to reach a lost and broken world and to make disciples, to help people know the amazing love of Christ. We ask this your name. Amen.